Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Kate, what do you know about AI? It exists. Right. And what do you know about AI as it relates to picture books? Nothing. Okay. So in a recent case, a school librarian I know was asked by a patron, oh, we need more books on bunnies. She goes on to her usual book buying site. She sees a book on bunnies. She's like, ah, it looks like it'll be fine. She buys it. She gets it in. Not only was it AI images, it was AI text. It didn't make any sense. So who did it say it was written by? Boxer Books or something like that. It was like some fake book company that is just churning out fake books using AI text with AI art. And tell me these bunnies had like five feet and three ears. No, (laughs) they had just weird hands. Like, no, I don't even know. Yeah, no, it was, there were some like really obvious signs. Like once you're reading the text, you're like, this was not created by a human. Interesting. So beware, people. Make sure your school or public librarian is not just randomly buying books, which they're not supposed to do anyway, but we've all been there. You need a book on bunnies. There's a book on bunnies. You buy it. Uh, yeah. Now that we know, uh, folks like Ingram now make them available for uh, purchase. So that's super fun. Interesting. That's my warning to you of the day. We all need warnings at the beginning of the week. Exactly. Everyone <laughs> likes to go... You know what? I need a relaxing podcast. Well, warn me about stuff because that's what I relax to. So you can be prepared day after day. Exactly. Just in a perpetual, stressful state of awareness at all times. And then we'll warn you about something else next week. Exactly. (laughs) To stress you out in new ways. Exactly. But besides stressing people out, uh, what is the name of this podcast? This is Views 8 and Kate. That's right. And what do we do? On this podcast. Talk about stressed out bunnies. Mm. (laughs) You know what? I would, if I just talked about stressed out bunnies, the podcast, I could die a happy woman. That would not be a bad way to go, I think. Yeah. Uh, But no, we actually talk about picture books, Kate. Oh, right. We talk about them. uh, And And today's book is by AI. (laughs) No. No. But it is by, well, one of his pseudonyms at one point was A. Redfield. So that's, that's a... There is an A involved. Though that was not the name he wrote this book under. Adam yet. Ian? Sure. Eh? Uh, oh, okay. no. Adam, Adam, no, you need a last name for the I. Adam so, Indigo? Adam Inkfeld. Yeah. <laughs> Indigo? Yeah. Adam Indigo. Montoya. <laughs> Killed his father, prepared to... Be then he would like to write prepare some Prepare to have a stressed out bunny. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> prepare to have a stressed out bunny. No! Today's book, um, actually... Uh, I'm very proud of today's book because I've got a whole backstory on the author and I able I was able to get both a, a new publication, republication by this author, and the original book, which we have never done to the amazement of people that we've never done this. There's there's reasons and I'm sure we'll go into them. But are you ready for today's book? Okay. Here we go. Danny and the Dinosaur by Sid Hoff. Not a Redfield, though we will get to. 
why he's had many names later. Have you ever heard of Danny the Dinosaur? No. It's funny, I had completely, completely elided me, um, but he's currently, of course, being turned into a movie, so you'll hear about him real soon. Oh, okay. All right, in the meantime, read that book. Okay. Yay. While Kate does her read, let's learn a little more about Sid Hoff. Um, I actually am holding in my hand Sid Hoff's first book, but the book is not Danny and the Dinosaur, the book we're discussing today. It's not even a book for kids. It's called The Ruling Claws. The Socialist Cartoons of Sid Hoff. Uh, that's the new updated subtitle. And they were published in 1935 under the name A. Redfield. So here's why you probably haven't heard of this book. Um, it's a collection of cartoons that were issued by a 1930s communist newspaper, which, you know, I don't know how many of those you have in your home. Uh, probably not a lot. Denny the Dinosaur, by the way, which came out in 1958, uh, it sold 10 million copies. It was translated into a dozen languages. The Ruling Kloss uh, is not as well known, and that may have to do for a lot of reasons, including the fact that Sidhoff didn't really want you to know about this. Um, as he said to Phil Nell, who writes the opening for this book, he said, uh, these remarks, which are some remarks about you know, being a member of the Communist Party, should not be printed because they destroy me as a children's author. Please refrain. I don't think he needs to really worry about that all that much. Um, the whole reason Phil Nell was even talking to him was because he was asking him for memories of Crockett Johnson, who, as you know, did uh, Harold and the Purple Crayon, which we've already done on this show. We've never done a book by Sid Hoff, and mostly just because they're such innocuous books. But if you can get a copy of The Ruling Claws, which is C-L-A-W-S-S, uh, it is just coming out for republication. I bought a copy from my library. It is delightful. These are very New Yorker-esque types of cartoons done to pretty much comment on, well, The Ruling Claws. Denny! Uh, he's like Richie Rich, but if you were middle class. <laughs> <laughs> so middly mid? <laughs> yep. Okay. Tell me about middly mid. <laughs> um, so he goes to a museum by himself and has no parental guidance anywhere. Kid, this was back in the 50s. Kids were uh, running out of their houses to go to museums all the time. Yeah, I just think the parents just gave him money and was like, just leave us alone go until it's dark. something. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, he goes into just a museum. We a. don't know what kind. No, it could be any kind of museum. Well. Except. Except you. I gave you an original copy of this book, not an updated copy. Look, mm -hmm. let me just say. He gets to the museum, you turn the page, and it says he saw Indians, he saw bears, he saw Eskimos. And thankfully, the illustration of the Inuit is in the gutter of this book. Yeah, because you don't even have to see it. But if you if you really stretch, you can yeah. see the racist illustration yeah. there. Yeah, and that's like, so he saw three things. Two out of three of those things, super duper racist. And, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, Esk wow. And Eskimo is now considered a pejorative term, yes, so it is. you can't it even... Though I can almost guarantee you, because this is an easy book, um, that they did not change that for the updated editions. I probably should have brought a modern edition, but 
I suspect that they may have just done away... I think they changed... Okay, now I'm gonna have to check. Having done a rudimentary search, I can find no evidence that this has been changed for later editions. Great. Yeah, it's great. Especially because they're turning a movie, and uh, the movie's gonna be based on the book, and they're gonna be reprinting that book like crazy. Mm, so that's fun. That's great. fun. Let's think about that. Great. Yeah. Well, he sees guns and swords, and then he sees knights of armor standing right next to standing... Sarcophaguses? Sarcophaguses? This is just a terrible museum. Which is then right next to dinosaurs. Right. So the layout, nobody thought this through. They just threw everything into this museum Anything that's old, let's just put it in this building. Yeah, just throw it in there. Literally, we've got five-year-olds wandering our halls. No one's going to care. Exactly. And then Danny talks to himself and says... (laughs) Okay, so Dan's got some issues. <laughs> he says, I'm sorry, they're not real. Who are you apologizing to, first of all? Um, <laughs> yeah, Dan, that's some guilt complex. It would be on. nice to play with a dinosaur. And then a dinosaur says, I think it'd be nice to play with you. In which Danny now grows eyelashes <laughs> Wait, out of the blue. And, he's, oh, yeah. and Danny says, can you? <laughs> so I really hope that in the movie, um, his eyelashes grow three times as long. I would pay extra money to see that. <laughs> but, but the dinosaur is like, yeah, let's go. I'll take you for a ride. Let's get out of here. Meanwhile, there are two dinosaurs behind our main one. Uh-huh. One of them is in a dark gray, and he's got this super sinister look on his face. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, oh, this dinosaur knows something yeah. that we don't. He's the uh, he's the nasty, the nasty uh, behind-the-scenes dinosaur. I, You know, I think this dinosaur is just going to leave and never come back. Well, this dinosaur essentially leaves and never comes. I guess he goes back, but he says he does. Yeah. Okay. We never see. We him never go back. see him go back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm gonna get a picture here. So the dinosaur walks around town with Danny around his neck Neck-ish and sort of near neck. skull. Yeah. Um. He the dinosaur stops at stoplights and gets his neck caught in clotheslines. Like you do. Like you do. Yep. And uh, he's barking at dogs and making noises like cars. And he's a very educated dinosaur for not knowing what cars are. Oh, yeah. He knows what they sound like. Yes. They sound like honk, honk, honk. (laughs) I guess like a goose. Sure. Okay. I mean, dinosaurs evolved into birds, so sure. Okay. All right. So then he sees some buildings, and he thinks that they're big rocks and tries to climb them. Meanwhile, no one's really freaking out, and I think I figured out why. Oh, why is this? Because they're walking past the market, and then they walk past this building that's just called Drugs. Drugs! (laughs) And it says, some people were waiting for a bus. They rode on the dinosaur's tail instead. I think they were just so high as a kite. They're just plastered out of their mind. They had no idea that they were on a dinosaur's tail. Well, wouldn't it make more sense if they actually were on a bus and they were just hallucinating a dinosaur that they were sitting on? We don't know what kinds of drugs they have. That's true. But it clearly... They just have them. It's all they sell. It's all drugs. It's just drugs. It's not even a drug store. It's just drugs. Just drugs. Yes. And then uh, there's a very nice lady who says, it was nice of you to help me with my bundles. The dinosaur is picking the lady up and like carrying her across the street while she's carrying some packages. Now I'm just thinking, 
does this dinosaur have no talons or claws or anything? Because the way that he's carrying the woman mm. by the rear, you would think <laughs> that claws would now be well, in her upper he's thighs. He's an herbivore, so I don't know that he necessarily would need claws. It doesn't matter if you need That's them. That's true. Do you have them? Do you yeah. have them? Maybe they're retractable like a cat's. <laughs> Because dinosaurs evolved into cats, so that makes oh, sense. Yeah. right, okay. And just literally any animal we mention for the rest of this episode, I'm just going to say dinosaurs evolved into them. Yeah. Well, I think that this is, and if I had to give my educated guess, because I know so much about dinosaurs, it's what my degree is in, exactly. it's in dinosaurology. Your was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this is an Argentinosaurus, judging okay. by its shape mm-hmm. and the fact that he says multiple times that it's been a hundred million years. But I would love to hear other people's opinions yes. as to what, what they the, think this what is dinosaur is. Well, especially because Brontosaurus wasn't and then was again. I don't know. The, in the, there's a Patasaurus and there's Diplodocus. So any one of those are potential, you know, IDs. Anyone who wants to go in. But it has to be a dinosaur it. that was around 100 million years ago. Oh! Because that's what he keeps saying. It's good to take oh, an hour or two off. I would love to know if that is accurate or not. That's, <laughs> that's why funny. I said I think it's in... Argentinosaurus. Oh, your evidence is strong. We shall see. All right. That my degree in dinosaurology. In dinosaurology, yeah. It's really coming in handy. You really worked hard on it. Mm-hmm. So they go to a baseball game. They go into a river or pond or something. Body of water. Lake. Um, you see these, like these little couples in rowboats and i'm just thinking like you imagine if this was your first date and then all of a sudden you see a giant dinosaur coming into the water and you're like row faster i can't i'm never gonna sit anyway best date ever. <laughs> right um then they uh eat some ice cream because the kid has money and so he's paying the ice cream well man. he's obviously been sent out on his own to go to the museum so yeah it's they a, probably gave him some money it's middle like, class maurice don't Betsy. come back until 5 p.m <laughs> and then they decide danny decides to go to the zoo now number one well the dinosaur's hungry there is <laughs> no <laughs> number one there is a man in a sailor outfit so what year did this come out 1958 i believe yeah okay look it okay there is the sailor outfit it is now it is the appropriate sail if the man is in the navy it is the appropriate sailor suit because it looks like it's summertime you right. wear the summer whites right however this your day off you're gonna go to the zoo Really? Oh, well, maybe his gal really wanted to go. He's with a gal, isn't he? He is with a gal. The gal wanted to see the hippos. But second, second, second of all, why? <laughs> letter B. Why would you take a dinosaur to see animals in cages? So he knows how lucky he is. I mean, or that's his future fate, and he needs to get used to it. Oh. <laughs> He well, was in a museum for a while. You know, it's not that different. Well, why? Okay, so the lions, no one stays to see the lions. No one's looking at the elephants. No one's looking at the monkeys. No one's staying to see the heels, giraffes, or hippos. They're all coming to see the dinosaur. Well, that would make Because sense. the dinosaur is at yeah, the zoo. Story checks out. But then the zoo man gets really upset that everyone is coming to look at the dinosaur and not the animals in cages. And he says, please go away so the animals will be looked at. Well, that's polite of him. No. <laughs> this dinosaur is bringing in money. That's true. He paid his way. It, well, and he's bringing crowds That's to true. the zoo. Yeah. Why is this zoo man 
which is what he's called. The zoom man. The he's, zo- called he's called the zoom he's man. He's called the zoom man. Why is he turning away free publicity? I mean. Yeah, I know. Well, you know what? He was never a businessman. He was only a zoom man. He was. <laughs> he only knows one thing. This is only as far as you get with a degree in dinosaurology. Apparently so. he's his hand there. So then the kid's like, okay, Dan- sorry, Danny says, let's go meet my friends. And they decide to go <laughs> to see all these, like, eight-year-olds, seven-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. And then it says, why, it's Danny riding on a dinosaur, said a child. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to find other words for kids. The child doesn't even get a name. No. It's just child. Doofus and ch- number four. May we have a ride? Ask the children. No names. As one. They're, only Danny gets a name. You know what? Sit off head off. Only so many hours in a day. He can't be thinking up names of random children that he wrote down. There's no time, man. There's no time. Well, the kids decide to, like, ride the dinosaur all around town. They decide to play uh, games with the dinosaur, like hide and seek. And then... And then they ask if the dinosaur can do tricks. I mean, this is a very smart dinosaur, but throughout the illustrations, the dinosaur is kind of getting more and more goose-like. Yes. Goose, like, in the neck and Mm. and the nose. Not the personality. Almost looks like a beak. Yeah, it's definitely beak-esque. Again, evolved into birds. Well, and then it's getting late, and so all the children leave, and... Danny's parents apparently just don't even care if he's home or not but okay right and yeah. and the kid's like well can you stay with me and the dinosaur's like no i've had a good time the best i've had in a hundred million years but now i must get back to the museum and danny's like well goodbye and, <laughs> and he watches and he watches the dinosaur walk away now it could be the exact opposite direction of the museum oh yeah danny doesn't know we don't know and then it says danny he, then he went home alone to his empty home (laughs) where no one was waiting for him right (laughs) he gets home miraculously but where were the parents and all this did they just give their kid money to go do a museum trip and get some ice cream and said don't come home until it's dark seriously i think that may be what's happening here i mean at least i hope he's going to be fed he had money I mean, he Someone's ate, giving him that money. He ate ice cream. He ate ice cream. Does the he end. really need to have dinner at the that, end? That's yeah. it. That's the whole that's book. That's the whole Kirsch model. Yep. Yeah. So there's a reason I haven't done this book with us before. Um, it's because, well, it was because it was so simple. And I was like, I don't I don't know if we need to do anything like this simple. But I'd forgotten how long it is. There's mm. a lot that goes on. Anyway, this book has inspired many different books about, like, riding on a dinosaur. There was The Family Lizardo by William Joyce. There was The Dinosaur Bus, which came out a couple years ago. So it has a long uh, tail. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. But, yeah, it's funny. It's only now being turned into a movie. And, uh, you know, it's a fairly good Weston Woods video that it's based on, uh, which I believe they cut out the initial Eskimo and... Uh, Indian reference at the beginning, though I'm pretty sure they did because I don't remember it, but I could just not be remembering. You could have blocked it out of your mind. I probably blocked it out of my mind. <laughs> that's not the healthiest reaction. So, ratings time. Well, okay, so it's an easy reader book with a plot, which is nice. Right, sure. And I know you don't always get that, and I'm glad it doesn't rhyme. So, oh my god, yes. Yeah. Oh my god. And yes. I can see why they're making this into a movie. The dinosaur and the kid do all sorts of fun things that would be visually appealing. Right. 
does it it's start? It's going to be live action, by the way. Okay, so does it start off with a racist illustration? Sure does. Sure as heck do. Two, do, in fact. Do any of the kids get a name? Heck no. Are they all white? They are. The high as a kite people coming out of the store called drugs and writing the tale without realizing it? Very funny. Highly recommend it. But I can't say I'm a fan or will remember this book, honestly. Now, maybe if you have kids or if you're a teacher, you might have a different opinion. But for me, who just read it, for the first time, and I don't have kids, I gave it a 3.75. Okay. So, um, you know, when my children were learning to read, I gave them many a fine early reader, easy book, uh, many of which we have already done on this show. I did not give them this book. Uh, I would like to say, because of the racist imagery at the beginning, I suspect it wasn't even that. It's just not that interesting a book. Like, there isn't... I know how hard it is to make an easy book. But I also know if you do, like, compare this book to, say, like, Sam and the Firefly, where there's just, like, so, like, the personalities just pop off the page and there's so much going on. With this, there's it's There's a lot going on here. I mean, there's a lot going on, but, like, not character development. I mean, it's just, like, perfectly nice kid meets perfectly nice dinosaur. They do stuff. Perfectly nice kid says bye to perfectly nice dinosaur. The like, end. Like, yep. the end. Yeah, so I, I'm giving that a, for a three. It's okay, so with our scores combined, it's below a five, so not a classic. Not a classic. <laughs> All right, letters time. Ooh. Ooh, this one comes from Rochelle, and she says, Hi, Betsy and Kate. Hello. I feel like you forgot one major use for when everybody wore a hat. It oh. is a short autobiography. Schools always have biography slash autobiography units, and there are not many autobiography picture books. Kids often have to write their own autobiography, and the structure of when everybody wore a hat works well as an example. Kids write some of their meandering memories, just like Stig. And you're right, they never mention where in the Bronx he lived. I looked Stig up in Ancestry to see what part of the Bronx he lived in. The 1915 census has him living at 1464 Brook Avenue, Bronx. In the 1920 census, he lived at 1469 Webster Avenue, a few blocks away. That is in the South Bronx in Claremont, near Concourse Village or Morrisania. In 1930, he still lived with his family, and they lived at 3256 Riverdale Avenue, which is in Kingbridge. Uh, You seem disappointed that they don't talk more about his Jewishness, but if his parents were socialist immigrants, there's a good chance that they were pretty secular. His boyhood stories were about living in cramped apartments, interesting neighbors, and arguing in different languages, including Yiddish. They tell a pretty Jewish story, even if there is no synagogue. It is a pretty similar story to my grandfather's arguing secular socialist family from the Bronx. (laughs) It may not be my favorite Steig book, but because teachers need short autobiographies, I'd give it at least a five. And by the way, not all your Jewish content has been Hanukkah-related. Tell me a Mitzi. It could always be worse, and Joseph Had a Little Overcoat are not Hanukkah books. You also did The Keeping Quilt. All your books are about Ashkenazi Jews, though it would be hard to find older picture books about Safari or Mizrahi Jews. Glad Kate is feeling better. Aww. Aww. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. That is some freaking, like, serious research you did. Very Uh, much appreciated. I I tip my hat to you, which I am not wearing because nobody wears a hat now. So (laughs) there you go. Grown-up things we like. Well, speaking of hats, the most iconic hat, I would say, would be Indiana Jones, would That's you That's maybe one of the most iconic, yes. I saw the new Indiana Jones movie, The Dial of Destiny, but before seeing it, I watched all the Indiana Jones wait, movies really? to prep. Wait, not, wait, all? All. Number four? Yeah. I had seen- You watched pa- LaBeouf? I did. I watched parts <laughs> here and there of all the movies, but I decided I wanted to see them all and in order. Oh, all right. So here's my vote. 
for movies one through four. Right. The third one was Sean Connery. Indiana mm-hmm. Jones and the Last Crusade is the best one, mainly no because doubt. there isn't a female lead written like an idiot. Right. The right. second one with Kate Capshaw, Indiana Jones, and the Temple of Doom is the absolute worst. It's so bad. The writing, her character, the racism, it's, it's all like, bad. It's so bad. Yeah, and they brought back the woman from the first one for the fourth one, right. in which she wasn't as useless in Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, but that's not saying a lot. Mm. Also, there's aliens in the fourth one. It's so, so the fifth it's one so is all about time travel, but I highly recommend it. Recommend that you watch all four before watching the fifth one. I don't think you need to see four. You do. (laughs) It has a lot of callbacks to previous movies, including bringing back old characters. They finally figured out how to write a strong female character. There's some good jokes, and of course, fighting Nazis. Mm -hmm. Um, They also do that CGI de-aging thing, which I think is kind of cool. Um, well, they've gotten good at it. Yeah. It's not Uncanny Valley anymore. Yeah. So now he, his voice was that of like a God knows how old he is man, but his body was much younger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I really liked it, maybe even more than the third. So it was highly mm-hmm. entertaining. Go see it in the theater because it's way more entertaining that way. And I guarantee the guy who plays the lead Nazi will scare the crap out of you. Oh, I love him. I love him. He's Mads, a Danish. Mads, he's Mads a, Mikkelsen, right? Yeah, he's a Danish actor yeah. who plays a Nazi real well. Well, he's played everything else. Serial killers, you name it. So, yeah, he did Hannibal Lecter at one point. I love him. He was the so. bad guy. He was Le, Le Chief in uh, Casino Royale. That's right. James Bond. That's right. But he'd never done a Nazi. Until now. He, he does he a does very a good Nazi. He does a darn good Nazi. Yep. Him yeah. and Christoph Waltz are the two yep. best yep. fake Nazis. Yeah, I agree. I yep. have to agree. Uh, that's excellent. <laughs> Super I, scary. <laughs> you know, in very much the same vein, I just saw for the very first time a movie that came out in 1990, I want to say 92, that I never saw. And everyone was like, oh, you never saw I never saw The Sandlot. You ever see The Sandlot? No. See, I'm, uh, I, I recently heard this term. I am apparently a, um, oh God, what is it? I'm an, Xlennial. There you go. Right between Generation X and Millennial. Um, I'm an Xlennial. Everyone who's an Xlennial has seen The Sandlot. I didn't. I didn't know Dennis Leary was in it. I didn't know James Earl Jones was in it. And I didn't know Karen Allen, who you just mentioned as being the wife of Indiana Jones in those, well, three movies. Uh, yeah, she's in it as well as the mom. Uh, the Sandlot, we decided we wanted to see a, a movie about kids playing baseball with the kids. So, but we had not seen it. And the track record for movies in the 80s and early 90s, not great. So we were like, well, and admittedly, there's some stuff you would not see in book, in movies today. But it's not bad. It actually held up. And there weren't any racist moments. There was also no acknowledgement that racism ever existed in a really weird way. But it's not bad. So, you know, I'd give it a strong uh, 6.5 to 7, you know, the Sandlot. Okay, yeah. so I have a adult movie recommendation. You have a kid movie recommendation. Well, except I think, I think today it would be kind of considered an adult movie. So I think it's still a grown-up thing I like. Okay. All right. And, uh, and now the, we're off to go and see another movie. A Barbie movie, which apparently, from what I hear, you could take kids to, but it's not intended for children. So interesting. this will be interesting. I'm looking right. forward to it. As am I. And until we can give you guys the update on how the Barbie movie is, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKDate at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. 
can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8, Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our Drewy and the Drewisar is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Burke.